My name is Barry Robertson and this is Insights the Podcast, your behind the scenes to theatre. Take your seat, the show is just about to begin. I did this really exciting thing at the weekend. Um, it was a campaign to raise money for the Globe because they're they're really struggling financially right now and they don't receive any mm. government funding. So these amazing people um, from uh, from Britain and together to um, read Shakespeare for forty hours straight. Um, oh my goodness I know I know and they had so they obviously they can do all the plays in that time they're quite long and they hadn't abridged them which I love um, and so they were um, uh, they, they'd picked some and they had actors or readers uh, who volunteered to to read them on Zoom so it was loads of fun um, it was great to it was great to just work with people you know what I mean I have been keeping mm. busy on my own but it was great to to be on Zoom and we had a whole Shakespeare play. We each had our characters to get into. And mm-hmm. it was great to meet these other actors, these other readers um, and work with them uh, and in a new way for me. I mean, uh, I wasn't quite sure how it would work, but it, it was great. You know, the technology is really, really strong. And some of the performances that we had were just incredible considering that, it was cold reading for all of us. So we knew that we were going to be reading in, I mean, I did Hamlet on Sunday morning and then The Winter's Tale on Sunday evening. So I knew for a couple of days that I was going to read in those plays, but it was just cast just before we read. So there was no time to be cast in advance and look over lines or anything like that. And cold reading Shakespeare can be very tricky, but if mm-hmm. everybody was fantastic. Um, yeah, some incredible performances, really talented people. So that was really fun. So what made you decide to do something for the Globe um, rather than, say, something up here in Scotland? Is it just mm. that you have a real passion for Shakespeare? And, and obviously the Globe is an iconic worldwide heritage mm. building. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you feel as though there's more connection? Or is that something that you want to do as an actress Ooh, going well, forward? I love Shakespeare. I always have since I was a teenager. Um, when I so in my undergrad degree, I did English Lit, and I specialised mm. in Renaissance and Shakespeare. Um, so that I mean, I really love it. I love the language. Uh, I love the language of the times, um, the drama, and the poetry is just incredible. And I'm also really into their prose fiction. Not a lot of people are but I really love Elizabethan prose fiction but that is another story um so I I love Shakespeare and I love the globe and I just thought um the project was fun but it wasn't so much an either or it's not do that instead of doing something up here if I saw something up here if there was a project like that on the go then yeah I would definitely want to be involved it's just actors do what we do because we love it we love working with people um and we love text and we love stories so and right now in lockdown everybody's got loads of time and nobody is getting the artistic fulfillment that they would wish for so I think you know if people are in a fortunate position such as myself um Mm -hmm. you know that I'm healthy um you know I've got some work coming in then you know we're really keen to get involved in any kind of project like that yeah no I, I I agree I think 
a lot of people have been saying the same kind of things um like yourself trying to keep busy look after yeah. your mental health yeah I suppose I'm slightly different because I'm doing more audio work now mm. and I haven't actually stopped throughout all of this like if anything I've got busier <laughs> oh wow um, <laughs> if I could split myself into two that'd be great yeah but like a lot of my friends who are similar to you as actors yeah um it has been really shaken mm. the kind of things to do because a lot of my friends have either quickly went into for example um, a supermarket to work yeah or some of them have written to the creative scotland or looked mm-hmm. for government support some have signed on to universal credit yeah um, and others have um, got employment and doing jobs that they never thought they would do mm-hmm. and this is part of why I wanted to talk to a variety of people and create these podcasts because I think it's a time to kind of to to comment on what it's like working in the creative industries at the moment mm-hmm. when when if you think about it normal average audiences only probably see the finished product and they don't know what's behind the business like yeah as, as you know and I know only three percent of actors work at any given time mm. so to have 100% of the workforce not working, mm. this is like a, mo- a a huge moment for our, our creative sector and kind of going, wait a minute, we're all stopped. We're all having to rethink mm. from CEOs to theatres to film and television to really question what the industry is. And that's why I asked you some of the questions there. In terms of like Scotland, because you, you did say about the Globe, what is like one of your favourite, or do you have any favourite organisations um, that you like to work for up here, or, or would like to work for? Oh, mm. there are loads. Um, mm-hmm. If I had to pick one, I guess organisations, so like theatre, theatres, theatre companies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Vanishing Point Theatre. I love them. I adore them. I like, oh my, I can't even describe how much I love, I love, love their work. Um, uh, their play Tomorrow is one mm-hmm. of the most incredible things I've ever seen on a stage. I've never seen anything like it. And after I saw that, it was the first of theirs that I saw. I vowed to see everything else that they've done. And I have. Okay. Uh, so that would be my number one. I love them. So if anyone from Vanishing Point is listening, Jilly Martis is available <laughs> for an addition at any time. At any time. Any, any time. <laughs> any time. There's, nothing, there's nothing that I wouldn't cancel. <laughs> there's nothing I wouldn't cancel. Yeah. I, did, I did do yeah. a workshop once with um, Vanishing Point with Matt Lenton, and he was amazing in the way he works. Um, it was really, really dynamic. So that, that was great. Um, so yeah, if, if we're talking like dreams, like dream company to work for, it would definitely be them. Yeah, no, everyone's got their own thing. Like I always remember going into the sets when I was younger, before I went into drama school, and seeing a play, and it was just in the the had the small studio space, yeah. you know, nothing special, nothing special at yeah, all. Little black just box. two actors. Yeah, yep. black box, and it was that play that really made me go okay, Mm -hmm. this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. It's official. And normally you think, oh, it's a big musical theatre show or it's a big acting drama performance. And no, it was something tiny and a black box and this that makes you click. What was your moment? When I wanted to, when I knew I wanted to act, I'm going to say it was probably Star Trek because 
you know I lived for that as a tiny little kid and you know what I still do love it what are your thoughts on the sector going forward or going through COVID-19 like what do you think will happen because I think we I think it's safe to say now we don't anticipate theatre to open for Mm, Christmas mm -hmm. um, or even for for pantomimes Mm -hmm. we do know that some films come back to work like Emmerdale and I've known for quite a while now that Neighbours in Australia has been going mm-hmm. back to work through social distancing, mm-hmm. of course. But what do you think for the sector after it? Well, um, for theatres, you know, I think it's it's going to be time for a rethink. It's going to be difficult. The thing with a lot, you know, there are, there are a lot of shows and there are a lot of companies who don't actually make any money. Who rely on funding mm-hmm. purely they don't they don't sell enough tickets so if that funding goes then we're going to have to rethink how we keep theater alive so the solution it would seem to me has got to be to put on productions that people really want to see that they're going to sell enough tickets so maybe they're not putting on the right things or they're not putting them on in the right places um, but mm. we're going to have to work out what is going to get people into theatres, you know, because times are changing. We've got Netflix right there. You know, we pay our seven quid a month or whatever it is. You know, theatres are going to be struggling. So what is it that we're going to offer to get people out of the house, away from Netflix, to come down to the theatre and see something? You know, it, we're going to have mm. to really think about what, makes theatre special and what people want to see not just what we want to make um or you know what other people in the industry want to see but everybody it's interesting that you said that like like the industry makes stuff that they think people want to see do you think that plays a big part of some of theatre's problems i think a lot of the problems uh well i think some problems come from the fact that you know people that aren't involved in the industry you know, um, they're not interested in what we're putting on. You know, one of the big theatres in Glasgow, every time I go, I know 50% of the audience because they're all in the industry. So we're creating work for Mm. ourselves, for others in the industry. And that's not a bad thing, you know, to do sometimes because, you know, there's an appeal there. But I remember there's one production I saw in Glasgow Mm -hmm. and it was... It was a staggeringly great production at the Tron. Um, it was amazing, amazing piece of verbatim theatre. And when I walked in, the theatre was not only sold out, but I didn't recognise anyone. I didn't recognise anyone because it, it appealed to people. It was bringing in people who didn't normally go to the theatre. And it, it struck me so forcefully, um, just the the change in... in in faces in that theatre so I think that people will come to the theatre if you're making something that they really want to see uh, yeah I, I yeah. agree with you um, I, I've been saying for a while now uh, whether it's to university students through Zoom or whether it's to colleagues like definitely commercially theatre has to go back to the big hitters like West Side Story mm. and you know all those big big musicals that mm. people want to see I think when it comes to regional theatre, I think there's a complete snobbery of what theatre is mm. in our industry in mm-hmm. Scotland. And it, as somebody that's Scottish but trained 
in Wales, lived mm-hmm. in London, then came back to Scotland. There's nothing worse than coming back to an industry. Maybe this is controversial, but I'll say it anyway. There's nothing worse than coming back to a, a, a country where unless you've kind of trained here, you get that feeling of you're outside and you're always outside. And then when you go to see work, there's this terrible feeling. And I don't know if, like, for example, if I was Welsh and I was creating work in Wales, then maybe they get Mm -hmm. a similar thing. But it's that kind of thing of I've trained here, so I know what art is. And I have this argument all the time with people. And I use the analogy of um, dance. Like, people love Strictly Come Dancing. And you know what? They absolutely love to see it live in Mm -hmm. SEC. But they maybe necessarily don't like to go and see Scottish Ballet. And I'm just using yeah, them as yeah. an example because it might seem too yeah, highbrow, yeah. but it's the same mm-hmm. dance moves. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's just a different way to communicate with an audience. And I think that's what we have lost as creatives, that we don't actually know what our Scottish you- audience wants and what they believe is um, authentic Scottish and the voices that they want to, to be part of. Is? I think a lot I think a lot mm. of um I think a lot of places are you know they just they they don't really care and they don't have to care because of the public funding they don't actually mm. have to sell enough tickets to be profitable because they're getting funding mm. so they don't really have to care what people who are not involved in the industry would want to see and I think that's part of the problem I mean if you look for example at the still game live shows at Hydro yeah, they were they sold, they sold out ridiculously. They were I was gonna swear there. They were I don't know if I, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> just, they were fantastic. They were I mean, I love Still Game. I'm a huge, huge fan. Um mm-hmm. and the shows were brilliant, but that's theatre. That's theatre. Um and yeah. you could have put that on in the sets, you could put that on in the Tron. You know, it wasn't you know, the sets were great, but it wasn't, you know, a massive, you know, uh, huge production. Yeah, with, like fireworks and yeah. like, people like swinging over the audience on wires. You know, it was a play. They were plays, but they were yeah. plays that people want to see. People travelled. I remember talking to a couple who had come down from like the Highlands somewhere. They'd come down and they booked an overnight and they were just down to see the show and then they were going home. They weren't doing anything else. They just come that far to see the show so people will travel mm. people like theater but they don't not everybody likes you know everything that's that's going to be put on and you know what you know scotch ballet you know great it's great to do what they do but yeah if you want to sell more tickets then that's maybe not uh i guess i don't know you just got to think about um making work for for everyone not everybody's going to like the the same the same things, but there is an audience for live shows and for theatre. You know, it is there. Talking about that, not that it's mm-hmm. official yet, but we're looking towards uh, America at the moment and we're looking at cinemas reopening. And I think the theatre industry will copy um, the cinema mm-hmm. industry and in that, you know, every second role might need to mm-hmm. be taken out. And if you and a friend who live in the same household mm-hmm. are sitting together maybe two seats next to use would have mm. to be free to allow the next person mm-hmm. to sit there. So the question that I would quite like to ask, to put you on the spot, um, is would you be one of the first people to go and see live theatre when it returns? Completely honestly, it depends what it is. Okay, James McAvoy, Macbeth, 
and the kings james mcavoy as macbeth and the kings yeah i'd be there for that yeah he's fantastic yeah you'd be there for you know that. i love shakespeare james <laughs> mcavoy is fantastic <laughs> i know I'm that's why i say that, that. <laughs> so you're so you're not really worried as a theatre <laughs> audience member about the safety well, within the build. That's what I'm trying I to get. I assume that. Um, I assume that staff know what they're doing. The people who are making these decisions know what they're doing. And um, you know, I I sometimes work in front of house myself in theatres, um, and mm-hmm. we're pretty competent staff. You know, um, so no, I I'd be I'd be pretty confident that people are gonna follow the rules and that the theatre thought about you know how to uh how to space out the seats and how to do um I guess you know you've got to think about the uh the loos and stuff like that and if you're putting on Macbeth people are going to need loo breaks maybe more maybe more breaks yeah. you know maybe maybe more intermissions to allow I don't know um yeah yeah totally yeah. I understand that yeah no one of the things that um I wanted to ask is this word keeps propping mm-hmm. up all the time and it's mm-hmm. about the new normal so what do you think the new normal will be for our sector going forward i think it's impossible to tell right now i think things are in flux and it depends what happens after we come out of lockdown i think there are hopefully some positive changes that can be made but there are you know you know we, we've definitely suffered like we're talking about you know people are projecting all these theatres closing and even Prince Charles I think was getting in on the act saying we need to do something I'm sure I saw a comment from him I think that technology could definitely be used a little bit more um, for actors I mean we do self-tapes now and it's fantastic but I've also since lockdown started had some proper zoom auditions um, and that's great and you know they were auditions with uh, you know, people in the industry who are living in Scotland but you know I mean you know yourself that when you live up here and an audition comes through you know I've had a call from my agent being like I've got an audition in London you're like great fantastic and I'm like when I have to tomorrow and it's already like 9 p.m and I'm like <laughs> okay I'm not alone <laughs> I'm not alone yeah, Everybody's been there. There. we've all been on that night bus it's miserable I mean it's got its own charm yeah. but if we were taking Zoom auditions into the future, you know, if we were, if we were carrying yeah. on with that, then maybe I wouldn't have to get the night bus. And I'd... Yeah, and it's worse now. Yeah, it's it's really worse now that they've done away with oh like God, the bed and the bus, the mega bus gold, because that was a godsend. But I totally get it. I think they should have been I doing agree. it for years. I'm, one of the good things about coronavirus is that, that we're adapting and we're yeah. forced to adapt. And I think we should have been mm-hmm. doing it from day one because it just makes things a lot quicker. And as as you say, like from our perspective at the Grey Hill, like we had 700, 700 people auditioning yeah. for a very small <gasps> part and a couple I of know, our audiobooks coming up. Now, that was like almost, I had like 350 oh in gosh. day one and it kept coming in, kept coming in. And by the you end of day even, two, I'm like... How can you even listen you to know, them all? No, I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't. Yeah. That's the thing. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm very innovative. Mm-hmm. I really like to mm-hmm. help support people. I think it's really important that we support mm-hmm. the Scottish industry because they're Scottish yeah. plays. But even at that, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm working from home and I've got 700 oh people to listen to. 
how do you do that? But at the same time, I think it goes to show if 700 people are applying, that there's a real, a real hardship within our industry and people they just do. want to work, which is really something to, to think about. For anybody that um, has loved this podcast, <laughs> Julie, and wants to see more of your work, um, is there anywhere that they could find more about you or see any more of your um... work or anything coming up? I do have some I do have some films and stuff on Vimeo but um if anybody's into it I would say hit me up on Twitter I tend to post whatever I'm up to on there Julie Martis M A R T I S Brilliant thank you so much for today and thank you listeners for listening to this very special COVID-19 edition of Barry Robertson's thank you so Insights. Much for having me. I'm Barry Robertson, and you have been listening to Insights, the podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't, go to Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Insight. Thanks for listening.